Hi, I'm David Key and welcome to Funky Careers podcast number 23. And we've got a guest today. Yes, very excited to know we've got a guest. And he'll introduce himself very shortly. But remember with Funky Careers, our purpose is just to help people find careers that bring them joy. And one of the ways we do that is get these guests in. Now, they may not be all famous guests, but that's not what it's about. Everyone has a journey. Everyone has a story to tell. And by telling these stories and getting the guests in, it starts painting a picture of how careers work. Nothing's linear. Nothing's like, I do this and I get that. Sometimes you do this and you think you're going to get that and then you go off on a completely different tangent because you might meet someone or you might learn something more about yourself. These things happen. And that's life. So hence why we get the guests in. Now, I'll just introduce the guest. His name is Phil Boland. But I'll just, Phil, probably just say hi and tell us a bit about what you currently do, mate. G'day, Dave. Thanks for inviting me to the podcast. So currently I work as a remedial massage therapist in a few, in two clinics, one in Melbourne, one out in metropolitan area. And uh, I work alongside physios and podiatrists and and quite a few sports people along the way. Excellent, excellent. I actually made a mistake. I said to Phil he's a masseuse. He quickly uh, corrected me. Um, reasons why, Phil? Could you just give us a bit of insight? Well, mas- masseuse is a French term for a female um, massage therapist. So we got masseuse and masseur are the female and male gendered. French words for massage therapist. Thank you very much. So even if you stop now, you would have learned something. But we encourage you to stay on a little bit longer. So we see this guy, Phil, we don't actually see him, you hear him, that he's a masseuse. Oh, I can't say that. He's a massage therapist. No, I can't say that either. What can I say? You're a tissue... a soft tissue therapist for those of us that think we're any good. Right, okay. So Phil thinks he's going all right. Well, this is good because anything you've got to, you know, attack or a job, a bit of self-confidence goes a long way because you've got to believe in yourself and what you're doing because um, that'll come across when you deal with people too. It's not to be like, you know, over the top, I'm the best. It's more just having confidence in your abilities and doing what you can to the best of your abilities. But we're not going to spend the whole podcast talking about a title because that could be rather disinteresting. We might get a bit of disengagement. Now, Phil, we know where you're at in terms of saying this is who you are at the moment in your career. But let's turn back the hands of time and take us back to your first career thoughts. Um, Yeah, just give us a bit of feedback of what were your first thoughts about what you wanted to do as a career? Well, based on the subjects at school that I was doing okay in, which was more around the art, graphic design type of uh, subjects, that's where my focus was. And some of the um, advice at the time, which in hindsight wasn't the best, was to get into um, an apprenticeship in the printing trade. Yep. And I ended up involved uh, leaving after completing year 11 and doing screen printing apprenticeship. Yeah. So when you said it wasn't the best, what do you re-advise? You said it wasn't the best there. What what does that mean in your mind? Well, I don't think people really understood where you could go with some of the, say, design 
talents that I might have had. Yeah, okay. People are saying, stay and do year 12 and go and, you know, go to uni. Yeah. But as we know, that's not for everyone. No. And um, I went off and found an apprenticeship for myself. Yeah, yeah. And how'd that go for you? Like, yeah, what are your thoughts on the apprenticeship and was it totally your thing or what did you find along the way? So to become a screen printer, you had to cover all aspects of the trade, which was from design of artwork and preparing stencils and the actual printing. Yeah. So all those things were experienced. But when you're employed as a screen printer, they want you on the end of machine printing. Yeah. So for me, that was working with inks and chemicals and, you know, not the healthiest of air to work in. Yeah, yeah. So I always tried to push to be in the design space yeah. where it was a much more friendly environment for yeah. my health. Yeah. And what's the design space look like? Because is that part of the apprenticeship to be on the machines and amongst it all? Or did, did that follow the apprenticeship or was it a nature with it? company or the, the yeah. demand as a screen printer from you know a business owner is someone printing the the more jobs are available in that area so you can just have one person doing art and design and yep. putting a whole job together so yep. um they're less less um, common yeah those jobs yeah. yeah so what how did that evolve like how long did you do that for all that um, in that space. Finished my apprenticeship. Well and done. Good work, you. Yeah, in those days you could do overtime and reduce your time at, in the apprenticeship. So I took six months off my time and went to work at another screen printer, the competition. Yeah. But then I moved from printing into the pre-printing stage, off the chemicals, off all the inks. So that was a better environment. Yeah. And then I moved to another place and became involved in um, the digital side and I was learning how to Photoshop and doctor photographs, um, all for the advertising industry. Yeah. Right. And how was that, that move? So away from the machinery, yeah. uh, how was that move? Was that like, yep, this is what it's all about for me? Yeah, great job, great environment. At the pointy end of the uh, development of the industry at that point. Yep. You know, Photoshop was just becoming big with on the Macs and yep. they became the uh, the go-to um, devices. Yep. But um, great job. But the place I worked was a very, uh, very toxic male <laughs> environment. Right, yeah. Where like, they like to push your buttons. So, you know, I started planning, surviving there and then yeah. moving on. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point Phil brings up, and that's a reality today, is that sometimes it's a, about the job and you say, oh, great, I'm doing the job I want, or if you want to be creative or you want to work on tools or, I don't know, you, you want to write or be a journalist or whatever the job is, there's a real you know, focus you should take into account is the culture of an organisation because they're the people you're going to work with day in, day out. So they're going to really define a bit of your experience. You know, you might be doing everything you wanted by like on a piece of paper, but you've got to work with people. And a lot of times people leave organisations because of the manager. So when you think about careers, really start to think about not only saying, oh, I want this job, great, I'm in, 
be conscious of the organisation and do sort of research um, on the organisation, perhaps what its values are. You know, you can do obviously internet searches, but then you may be able to even chat to someone there or find out a bit more about, you know, what it's like to work there. So that's a really important factor you should carry through when you're looking at your career. Thanks for that, Phil. Sorry, I might have stopped your line of thought. I've certainly stopped my um, line of thought, but you'll hopefully correct me. So where are we at, Phil? So I was biding my time at that point. My wife was studying and increasing her qualifications. So she had been studying for a number of years. Yep. And the plan was for me to leave the job and her to go full time. Yep. And I was going to study. So I had an interest in fitness, the human body, and had researched various careers. And I went and did a weekend workshop in massage. Yep. And signed up. Yeah. So what was like the turning point there? Because you're going along, you actually left, you made a conscious decision to leave that graphic design or Photoshop sort of space, yes? Yeah, yes. Why did you do that? Is it purely, like you say, toxic, the organisation? That particular group, yeah, it was people tried to push your buttons all day. And so um, it's not a very positive environment. Yeah. Um, they left me alone pretty quick because, you know, I've been teased by experts. But, yeah, um, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was planning of a good year and a half. So I just sat in that job biding my time till yeah. the timing was right. Yeah. And um, had investigated courses and checked out all the education available and the costs. Is this in the massage space? In the massage space. So what was that, to, to make that conscious decision to look into massage, what, you know, sort of, when did the light bulb moment happen or what what sort of drew you or was it like, oh, I'm sort of interested, I'll suck it and see through a few courses or what was that? Because you're leaving everything you've learned, basically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, what, yeah. what was sort of the... Complete new skill set yeah. I would have to acquire. Yes. Again, it was probably just an interest in um, working with people. Yeah. Um, what I could afford, yeah, as opposed to maybe being a physiotherapist and yeah. number of years required, yeah, um, massage, you know, was initially going to be a year, yeah, but that was to get a certificate in relaxation, yeah. Uh, that three, that first year became three and a half years of education, right? And why is that? Why did it keep rolling on? Did well, you, you just enjoying it, or yeah, what made you? The relaxation gave you a. A certain percentage of the population that would see you. Yeah. Uh, to get involved in sports and uh, what we call remedial massage, so that people can come and see you and claim through their health funds. Yes. Took um, another level of education. Right. So after I got my first year of education, I went and worked two days a week. Yep. To fund the ongoing education. Yeah. For the rest of that, yeah, no, that makes sense. Three and a half years, yeah, yeah and that's a sort of commitment. You and you were able to do that because your wife was working. It gave exactly. you sort of that flexibility to apply. Yes. So yeah. we had uh, someone earning some money. Yeah, I was being the house dad. Yeah, cooking, cleaning, dropping kids off at school. Won't go into how good a cook you were, Phil. We heading off, yep. heading off to education during the day. Yeah, brilliant. Coming home, picking up kids, and taking on that, yeah. that yeah. role. Yeah. yeah, so that's, yeah, it makes you really think. 
And when you're thinking about career, sometimes we put in blockers in our mind or a barrier to doing it. And that's a good workaround. Now, whether you're married, or, the reality is you've got to earn money. But if it really is something that is of interest to you, try and find a way to do it. Like you may do a part-time job you're not crazy on, but it still allows you to fund you through university or a diploma or a certificate course. Don't always just get blocked by you're in a job, I'm earning good money at the moment and you're pretty miserable doing it. You know, you've got to make those decisions. And like Phil, Phil actually did, you know, it, it sort of was developed. He had a feeling. So what he, he tried to do, he followed up on that feeling. So quite often we forget it. Like we go, oh, that's not me. Or, oh, no, you know, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. So back yourself in. When you've got intuition around something, Phil had a few key points to think about there, right? He generally had an interest in sport. All right, he had an interest in sport. He had an interest in the body, you know, physically in terms of the body, genuine interests in those areas. So if you can take your interests or sometimes even passions and then translate that into, say, a career or a possible starting point or doing some study or doing a part-time job, these are the ways that will help you find out and really crystallise in your own mind whether you want to continue on that pathway. So Phil has done that, and given that uh, when we started off, he's in that field, it must have been pretty much worked out. But tell us, yeah, tell us a bit more about your progression, Phil. Yeah, so after I um, qualified, I you have to uh, find some work, some full-time yeah. work. So yeah. I just printed off a resume and dropped it in at different physiotherapists in the area. Yeah. And um, I got work straight away locally. So yeah. they picked me up a couple of days a week and got started. Yeah. And that first place that I started in, I'm still there 20 years later. Yeah, okay. And from there we evolved into uh, the college that I was involved in, had some great connections in sport. So I got some experience at AFL level. Yeah. And then also we made some connections with the Australian cricket team. So yeah. we would work with them during the Boxing Day test yeah. and all the one days in Melbourne. Yeah. And um, those connections and experience in elite sport were the stepping stone to everything that followed. So yeah. So that's a, And the connections are really important. Now, when you relate to corrections, um, connections, is this more about the organisation you work with that was well known to service, you know, high-performing sports people? Well, at the time... Or was it you individually? Were developing the college it? had the connections and yeah. we would do some of our um, work experience, if you want, with yeah. the teams. Yeah. But we had some great people who maintained those connections after schooling finished. Yeah. And we went on to have contracts yeah. servicing those teams. Yeah. So um, it's about um, maintaining the contacts, doing good work, and being asked back again. So yeah. that's what happened. So that's a, that's a really good point about, you know, you never know what will happen next. But I can tell you, if you don't apply yourself to a job or to helping someone or whatever your career is, you know, you're your own brand. And, you know, if you don't perform to best abilities, you don't have to be the best. You just have to perform the best of your abilities. 
that is very powerful in terms of other work you may get. So don't sort of sit in any job and go, oh, well, I won't give a stuff about this or lay back at your brand. People form opinions about you. And equally, if it's an area you want to develop in, think about that to do the best you can, whether it's in a customer service role, whatever role it is, it may be engineering, it may be design, not so much where you're communicating with people sometimes as much, but that design and the attention to detail has to come through. So be really con conscious of that, because as Phil mentioned, you know, he did a, a good job. And he must have done a good job because you get feedback of other people becoming interested in your, your expertise or wanting to get a massage or requesting fill over time. And this only just, you cannot play in this. You cannot say, oh, well, I'll do this. I'll apply myself to be the best I can. And you may do this for ages thinking, oh, what's the point? But then there just comes this time and it may come straight up or it may come later down the track but you start to establish who you are and your abilities. So it's really important to, you know, keep at it if it's something you want to do and your breaks will come. Because normally if you're doing the best you can and you do it consistently, people will respect you. And that's really important, I think. I'll just go back also, Phil, interested with the resume. So did you write off many resumes or was it just you think it was a bit fortunate, just timing or... Um, it's probably a bit of both. I probably dropped off a dozen resumes yeah. or posted them in those days. Yes, those and, days. Really, um, yeah. But um, timing, I think, is good. Um, massage therapy as a um, profession is a little bit um, itinerant. People move on and yeah. change places a lot. So yeah. there's often um, space to find work. Yeah. As is currently right at the moment there's yeah. a lot of work available for um, in the industry yeah yeah no good no that's excellent so you've got to be doing something you know it's the old story no change no change so don't expect a different outcome if you're not willing to get out there and perhaps network or just introduce yourself to people and they may know someone and they may know someone else so you never know where it goes with the networks but these are all little things you can do from a career point of view and actually developing yourself. So, so where's your journey now, Phil? Where are you at with the, are you liking it still? Do you like being a, love, in the massage area? Love, love what I do. Brilliant. Um, so some progression from my work with the Australian cricket team, I just sent a resume off the bat to the Australian Open tennis. Yeah. It was in the middle of the year. All applications had closed, apparently. I didn't know that. But yeah. I just sent one in to see what happened. Yep. It turned out two massage therapists were leaving. Yep. And I got interviewed and I got that job. So yeah. the next summer, did my first Australian Open. Yeah. Now, that was a key point. I met some great uh, other clinicians there. Yeah. We formed our own clinic in Melbourne. Yep which I still work in now. I've been there 12 years, I think. Yeah. And so everyone there was tennis professional level. Yeah. And to drum up work there, I just did a letterbox drop. We printed off. I walked five kilometre radius of where I worked and yeah. dropped letters in every yeah. letterbox. Yeah. And generated work that yeah. way. Yeah. So just to get that clinic moving. Yeah. We don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, those days are gone. Yeah. They, Thank goodness. But there's some of the things you've got to 
get your, your name out there and you know it's you do a letterbox right and you don't know what's going to ha happen but sometimes you may only need one or two and you do a good job and that one or two that have picked up that letter through the letterbox are recommending themselves to friends so this is the ripple effects that can happen it's not always instantaneous in terms from a career perspective and like i said from the very start you don't always do something and get something you know sometimes you've just got to give and give and help out others and you know don't expect something straight up in return you know it's about like i say i'll get back to it again it's about your brand and what you you're about so where are we at now, Phil? Because this has gone really good, Australian Open. Yeah, so I've just completed my 21st Australian Open now. Fast forward, obviously, just fairly quickly there, yeah, but that's but, fair enough. But the connections that have come through tennis, through meeting the right people, there's a little crossroads, you meet the right person and it opens up another door. Yeah. So I got asked to work in the National Academy where all our elite players and the up and coming players go. So I worked in that space and that's ongoing now. And then new people came in there. I got a call one night and I got asked to travel with the Australian women's tennis team. Yeah. So I've done 10 or 12 trips with them domestically and internationally. Now. So it's mainly, is that mainly Federation Cup or Fed what was Cup, it? Or... And now it's called Billie Jean King Cup. Okay, yep. And with them we've travelled to... America, Serbia, Ukraine, um, you know, we, Prague, yeah. Scotland, everywhere. So yeah. that's been amazing, meeting the right person, yeah. accepted into that group, and they've seen your skill set and, yeah. and what you like as a team person, you know, not just not when you're doing your specific job, but in a good environment, a team player, I suppose. Yeah. And um, tennis again evolved to working at the Paralympics yep. and then Olympics, Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics and it's ongoing. Yeah. Applications are in right now to go to Paris in yeah. 2024. Right. So let's reflect back where Phil's just, you know, he's thinking at school and he's going, oh, I'll do an apprenticeship. And Phil would have probably no doubt known by that time that he was going to be a uh, a remedial uh, therapist and off to the Olympics. I mean, that's pretty obvious. You'd actually have that connection, wouldn't you? No, you wouldn't. You would not because this is the way life works. So you've got to be conscious of that. And I'll repeat it a bit is it is about the journey. The career is about the journey. So you only can deal with what you know. You don't know what you don't know as the saying goes. So you gather knowledge, you learn, you find out more about yourself, you find out more about your interests, and you, you know, through going into different environments, you start to get direction. And even when you think you're on top of it, this is what I want to do, you'll learn more, and then it will keep going. And your, your careers will evolve. But all along the way, Phil's been quite active. So that's really important. He hasn't been sort of lying still. He's picked up on his intuition. I don't like this environment. I want to explore perhaps an activity or area that might interest me. How do I make that happen without going totally full time? What's my situation? You know, I've still got financial commitments. But how can I say, well, I don't want to earn all the money in the world now. 
because it's likely that later, if you don't like your job, obviously you're going to have to try and disconnect from that. Otherwise, you'll keep being miserable. So it's really enlightening to do that. Now, Phil, what about your learnings? From a career perspective, what do you learn about yourself or what advice would you have to people? You know, if you pick a few bullet points when you've gone through your journey, your career. I think if it's possible, it's good to work in a few different places to experience different environments. Yeah. And then you'll know a good or bad environment yeah. when you're exposed to it. Yeah. And I don't think it's good for your health to stay in a bad environment. Yeah. Mentally, day-to-day, rocking up at that workplace. Yeah. So if it's within your power, it's good to change. Yeah. And the other thing, like, in the, you know, this second direction I've taken is just to keep learning, add to your education, work with different people, um, you just pick up every Australian Open I do will have someone in from overseas, a different physio or osteopath, and you see a different technique. So it's, yeah. it's like another tool in your toolbox. Yeah. So keep exposing yourself to different situations to learn more as you go. Yeah. yeah. Because that's really, that is a, that's almost lifelong learning is something that doesn't stop. You know, people go, oh, I've done a degree, I've done a diploma, I've learned stuff. And you go, well, that's really just the tip of the iceberg. You know, you're giving base knowledge to allow you to start in a job. All the learnings will happen when you're physically doing the job because the world doesn't operate through a textbook because you meet, you do, people are in the mix. And when you have people in the mix, you have the goods and the not so goods. Um, and that's the way you develop also, just not through textbook. It's like they talk about doctors, you know, a bedside manner. They might, some people might be technically brilliant, but sometimes you might not see them, even as an accountant, because you just don't feel the warmth. So you want someone you feel like you can develop trust with or form a relationship with. It could be in the workplace. That gives you, you know, your sense of purpose and your sense of self-worth when you have these sort of connections and networks. So it's really important. So actually, just to, we're getting near the end, Phil, so don't tear up too much, but um, what would you write to yourself, a letter to the younger Phil, you know, when he was a bit worried and he was, what sort of advice would you write to the younger Phil, you know, as a letter to, you know, you just sort of comfort him a bit and... I think... Um... As my wife says, my personality is unrecognisable now from when she met me. Yeah. So there's a confidence with what I've learned and my journey. So that's getting to know yourself. Yeah. But I think it's um, be curious. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Just be curious, ask the questions, learn, listen is a big one. Just listen and watch. Yeah. You just learn so much from yeah. all that. And so I would advise get in the get in the environments where you learn from people who've got uh, the experience. Yeah. Ask the questions. Watch what they do. Yeah. Model yourself. Get recognised. You know yep. for your professionalism and your ethics. Yeah. So um, yeah, there they would be things I advise. That's yep. hard to tell someone who's you know sixteen year old going into a screen printing apprenticeship. Yeah. But. They're the sort of things you start to think about. So think about that with your career. It's that that curious part is really, really, I don't know, I can't emphasise 
how important it is. Be through being curious, you learn, but also you learn about yourself and you learn about the careers because you're asking questions. So it's really important that you're being curious here. Often we'll have people directing us. They mean the best for us, but you've got to understand yourself, like, you know, maybe parents or maybe peers or whoever saying you should do this or you should do that. But even when they suggest that, you should be curious as understanding why they, they're suggesting that or even finding out about that suggestion because it's to your benefit. It's not an easy way out. You know, if you're waiting for someone to tell you what to do, it's probably not the way, the way to go because they don't know you as well as you do know yourself. And you've got to keep evolving and starting to understand who you are to move into the careers. So look, that's it with Phil. It's been really good. Hopefully you enjoyed it, Phil. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was good. A little yeah. bit of reflection on the journey. Yeah. yeah. So Phil's got a bit of a smile here, so it wasn't too bad. So that's good. I'm really happy. And it just shows, you know, when you're people being vulnerable, just saying the way it is, that's how you also learn, by putting yourself out there to say, you know, when you think about elevator pitches or, you know, statements where finally you get into a position and that statement will evolve over time but you get into position say this is what I'm about this is what I'm looking for once you learn something else that'll get tweaked you know that sort of statement or that sense of purpose or what you want to achieve but keep evolving as Phil said keep learning um, and listen like I say it's crucial and be curious but thank you very much for listening to Funky Careers podcast number 23 with the one and only Phil Boland and see you later. There you go. Good work, man.